Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, this morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 14. We're going to read quite a few verses. We've got 20 verses this morning. So if you're able, go ahead and stand to your feet with me. We're going to read um, this passage. And as we're reading it, there's many things that we could preach on or talk about this morning. I really want you to focus in on Jesus and his community. Pay attention to the community around Jesus here in the passage. So Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 42. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. All right, here now the reading of God's word says, And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it. And he gave it to them and said, Take this, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of heaven, or God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and he prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came to the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. The very word of God. Amen. Today, as we've been walking through our committed series, we talked about prayer and fast, and we talked about uh, the gospel and being committed to generosity. Today, I want to talk about being committed to community, being committed to community. We want to be committed to the right things, and this is one. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, God. Thank you for your word, God. I pray that even now, as I preach, that you would hide me behind your cross so that people would hear from you. Father, decrease me so that you may increase. Be the words that come out of my mouth, Lord Jesus, in the meditation of my heart. For you are my rock and my redeemer. Oh, Lord, 
I love you. God, go before us. Spirit, fill the room. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, in our passage today, we're coming off the heels of Jesus saying that one of the disciples will betray him. And we know this as we keep looking in the passage, it comes to be revealed that it's Judas Iscariot. And in the text or before the text, Jesus has sent his disciples out to go get the Passover meal prepared. And here they are in the text at the beginning of the passage, all the disciples, picture the room, they're sitting with Jesus and they're having a Passover meal. He says to them, take the bread for this is my body. And then he says, take the cup for this is my blood, which represents the blood of the covenant. Friends, this is essentially the first communion ever recorded. This is where we get taken communion from Every week, we do exactly what Jesus does with his disciples here, where we come together as a body of believers who believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we take communion together, which symbolizes, or or we do this in remembrance of him, remembering his sacrifice to which now we have life. Now, don't miss this, because this is what I want you to notice. Jesus does not eat this communion or this Passover meal by himself. No, he he does it in the company of his closest companions, his community, his disciples. And so with that bit of information, this is why we take communion every week together as a family, not by ourselves, but together. We do this every week because we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we come together and we celebrate what he's done on our behalf when he died on the cross. Now hear me, there's no scripture in the Bible that says that you need to do this once a week or once a month or on first Sundays or when the bishop comes to town or any of that stuff, no. But he says, do this in remembrance of me. So as a church, we do this every week at our church. We do it weekly so we remember what Jesus has done. We do this in a community with one another. But hear me, this type of communion or community isn't just supposed to happen in church. It's not supposed to just happen on Sunday morning, but we are, believers are to be dining with one another, breaking bread on a day-to-day basis, sitting across tables of one another. As I just said, this is where stories are being heard and walls are being broken down, the walls that divide us. And the reason I say this, hear this, is because we were made for community. I got one amen. Y'all going to have to talk this morning. We were not made to be in isolation or to be by ourselves. This world is too cold. It's too brutal for you or I to try to make it in this world by ourselves. But see, we missed that. Because we do the opposite. We try to make it on our own, do it our own way. We live in a culture that pushes individualism and self-determination. And 
if you haven't realized that in the last couple of years with all the political mayhem and all the stuff that has gone on in our society, then I, I'm going to just kind of maybe step on some toes a little bit. You ever, you've been living in la-la land or you're either, either deaf or blind. It's, it's been all around us. You can't help but to see what, 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 what our culture has pushed, this individualistic self-determination attitude that we, we, we've been plagued with. And th this is the reason why counseling clinics are overwhelmed. I mean, you, you literally cannot find a slot. You, you can't get into counseling right now. People are more anxious, more overwhelmed, more tired than they ever have been. And, and, and because of that, what ends up happening is we revert to social media and everybody's a social media celebrity now. Until the computer is turned off and you're back to dealing with the depravity of your heart, your mess. We've become more individualistic than ever before and family is killing us. And see the thing, if I'm honest with you as a pastor this morning, that really bothers me is that this same individualism creeps into our faith, namely our Christian faith, when the Christian faith in reality is a communal faith. It's not an individualistic faith. There's no, it's just me and God and he's my homeboy and we're just hanging out and this is a private thing between me and him. That ain't in the Bible. Christianity is a, is a communal faith. We're made for community. We're made to exist in community. And, and with that, I got to say something with this. Listen, there are a lot of us in this room and even online right now that are struggling in our faith right now. We're doubting. We're being tossed to and fro like the wind in the waves. Many of us are deconstructing our faith. We're stuck in that because of Christianity's racist past in America, maybe the political bent of white evangelicalism or murders of black men and, and black women or the misogynistic culture in an American Christianity, you name it. Now, this is a whole sermon in itself about deconstruction, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more and when we talk about our conversation on the gospel and race. But, but, but hear me, it's not bad to have doubts and to have questions about your faith. It's actually a good thing. We talked about this a few weeks ago where, 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 where Jesus in John chapter 3 welcomes Nicodemus. He welcomes the reasoning mind to come and question. He meets him there. So it's not a bad thing. In, in fact, when you have question and doubts, the hope is that it leads you to a place where you come to desire more of Jesus. You come to understand him and his love a bit more. You see this in the Gospels where John the Baptist is about to be beheaded and he's sitting in his cell and he's like, he's with his messengers. He's like, boy, I, I need y'all to go check in with Jesus. He's lived his whole life eating locusts and honey, couldn't do it, but he did it. And he did all these things proclaiming Jesus and he's like about to die. And he's like, look, 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 I need you to go check and make sure he's the one. They go and he said, Jesus says, the deaf, the deaf hear, the blind see, I am who I am. He says all these things and they go back and they tell John the Baptist and in the midst of his doubting, in the midst of him going to his death, he believes and he goes boldly to get beheaded. So, so, so hear me, deconstruction, doubting, all of that can be a good thing. But here's what I want you to hear. You should never deconstruct your faith 
apart from an intimate spiritual oversight of a pastor or somebody that's walking with you, some good community around you that loves Jesus more than they love you. Follow me with this. That means don't just go online and find you a pastor that resonates with what you're talking about or what you're feeling or some community that's saying the same thing that you're saying. You're like, oh, I'm going to believe this and, and now I, I, could, I could go, I could deconstruct my faith and this is where I am. Talk to the pastor that you're under. Talk to the community that loves you, that's around you first. And see, 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 hear me. My issue with deconstruction is not deconstruction in itself because it's actually a good thing. But my issue, listen, is that it's happening within a silo with no community where you only listen to people that agree with you or resonate with what you're feeling. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't believe that Christianity no more. I can't get with Jesus. Nope. Whether it be because of white evangelicalism and what's happened in the last several years, or it may be the political mayhem, or Black Lives Matter, or politics. I mean, you, you just name whatever it is, misogynistic culture. Hear me, none of that defines Christianity. I got one clap. None of that defines Christianity. And so, yes, with all of that, it's worthy of deconstructing a bit and seeing all the things that are, are mixed up in American Christianity throughout the history, but it's not worthy of getting rid of the faith and believing in Jesus. Because here's the reality, family, hear me. American Christianity, and I'm not trying to step on any toes or anything, but I'm, I'm going to be truthful. It's been jacked up since this country was established. This Bible was used to enslave people that look like me. That's nothing new. That's been there. White evangelicals didn't stand on the front lines with Dr. King and the civil rights movement. Policing in this country was set up to police black people and slaves to keep us in line. You can go on down the line. That's always been there from the establishment of this country. So we get to this day and we see all the things that are happening. This ain't nothing new. But see, what happens is somewhere along the line, our Christian faith was built on somebody that maybe didn't look like us or, or maybe was preaching truth. And we said, that's the way we need to believe. And we started standing firm on it. And we're like, yeah, that's it. And then all of a sudden, George Floyd or something happens. And you know this because uh, they, they look a little different than you and they're not standing on the front lines with you. Well, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. That ain't new. And see... If you don't have the right community, you just start finding people that resonate with what you're feeling. You're going to do the same thing over again. Yeah. What does the Bible say? Let's start here. None of the culture and the things around us define Christianity. So hear me, hear me, hear me. With all of that deconstruction, we do need to, to tear some things down and weigh through it. But we can't do that apart from community and the right oversight, or else we'll fail. We're made for community. We're made to be with one another. We need it. 
But some of y'all are sitting there and saying, well, Pastor D, why are you so passionate about this deconstruction thing? That ain't even me. I'm not doubting. I'm not deconstructing anything. I'm, I'm here. I, that's not why I lack community. The reason I lack community is because I just want Jesus to do things my way. And so, I, you know, I don't want to do the community thing. I just want it my way. There, there was a commercial a uh, few years back, Cam Newton. He's the quarterback of Carolina Panthers. He was back then, and now he found his way back there. He's the quarterback, and in the commercial, he's, he, he's, he's struggling. He's, 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 I would show it to y'all, but my man is like, got his shirt off, and, and he's sweating, and he's ripped up, six-pack, and I don't need nobody in here just sending me emails talking about Pastor showed an inappropriate commercial. I'm serious. I don't need nobody falling on account of me. But my man Trev, he's in the commercial and he's, he's sweating and he's going through it. He's lifting weights and he's, he's praying and he's like, God, just give me the strength. And he keeps saying, God, give me the strength. God, give me the strength. And I'm like, oh man, he's praying. This is awesome. And by the end of it, he says, God, give me the strength to do things my way. See the issue there? Do things my way. And, and hear me, before we start shaking our head at him... Don't we do that from time to time? God, God, I need you to get me through this thing, God. I, I need this in my life. God, can you, can you make this happen for me? To where now your relationship with God is it, it's no longer about Jesus and, and, and God and what he's done in your life, but it's more about you. Or, or let's take relationships, period. We don't even have to talk about uh, God right now, but let's take relationships. Most of us have relationships in our lives where we only associate with people that make us better. That are for our benefit. I ain't got time for that person, their vibe. I need to keep them out of my life. I need good vibes. I need people around me that are going to make me better. And again, it's about you. Hear me, friends. You will never have authentic community or an authentic relationship with Jesus when it's solely about you and what you get out of it. Okay, maybe you're saying, well, that's not me. I'm not deconstructing my faith. I'm not doubting or anything. It's not solely about me. Pastor D, I don't have community because I'm just busy. I'm busy. I got a lot going on. There was an article that was written in the Boston Globe about the epidemic of loneliness in middle-aged men. And it said basically, because listen to this, we live in a culture that is hyper extended that says, go, 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 be busy, be busy, be busy. What happens is that friendships are the first thing to go and we end up lonely. The study said that loneliness has been linked to an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke and the progression of Alzheimer's. Again, it's the individualized, self-deterministic culture that we live in. But the Bible tells us we were made for community. I know, but maybe you're saying, well, that's not me either, Pastor D. I'm not busy. I'm not doubting. I, I, I'm not deconstructing. I, it's not all about me. That's not me. Well, then let's take the biggest phenomenon of, of the 21st century, social media. Everybody knows about social media. We all got accounts on different social media platforms. And hear me, you can have a thousand friends on, on a platform and you ain't never met none of them. 
Y'all gonna have to teach me one day how, how this works because people, that's my boy, that's my girl, that's my man's right there. And you ain't never met him. And I'm like, that ain't your friend. I don't hurt your feelings. They don't know you. How does that work? I mean, and here's the kicker. Here's the thing about social media. You can be whoever you want to be on social media. You want to be bold, you can be bold. You want to be nice, you can be nice. You want to be fine, you can be fine. They got filters for that joint. I mean, it messes me up. I, I don't know. Dating today, it'd be, they'd be mad. I'd be mad. You know, you, you're looking at a Facebook or social Instagram, you're like, man, she's fine. And you show up and she looked like the Joker because she just <laughs> make up everywhere. And then the dude shows up, looks like a slob. You're like, I mean, you could be whoever you want on social media. Nobody has to know the real you. And I'm not knocking them because there's some great things to it, things that you can do or where you can connect it and all of that. But if we don't watch it, it could be the most time-consuming, aimless thing ever. And the thing that blows my mind even more is that young people, even young men with this, that we're resulting, we're just going to slide into DMs on social media. That's how we ask a girl out. We just, I'm going to slide into DMs, and I'm not knocking coffee, meat, bagel, and all these other great Some of y'all have gotten married in our church, and I thank God, and I praise him. But don't let the relationship stop on social media. We need face-to-face -face communication. The studies show that millennial women, hear this, millennial women, not old school women or anything like that, millennial women still prefer, prefer somebody asking them out face-to-face. -face. I ain't even asked for amen. It happened. So, so guys, I need y'all to take note on this thing. Something about face-to-face -face communication. Okay, I know y'all are like, where are we going with all this, Pastor? Do you hear this? Hear me, hear me. I know there's a question that's lingering in your heads. Here's the point. Society, and especially in this pandemic, has pushed us to a place where community is no longer valued. It's no longer valued. It's something we just throw on the back burner and we say, well, well, we'll get to that thing later. I'll hang out with them later. I'll go to my group later. Hear me. There are some of us online and even in this room right now that where we haven't had authentic, true community since before the pandemic started. And I'm going to come into your neighborhood because you can go to the grocery store and you can go. Uh, to, to, your, to your job every day, but yet you can't show up consistently to church or be consistent in a small group. But we're made for community. And see, the problem is that God has made us all in the image of God himself. And God himself exists in the community with the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God. They make up the, the Godhead, three distinct persons, one in essence and, and nature. And you know what that means for each one of us as, as image bearers of God? We're made in his image, the Godhead, no matter how successful you are, no matter how much money you make, no matter how determined you are or how many friends you have on social media, we are always going to yearn for authentic community. We're made for community. But see, here's the truth. Community takes patience. It takes vulnerability. 
it takes a certain level of long-suffering. It, it takes a willingness to get hurt sometimes. This is what we're going to see in our passage today, because, and I need y'all to pay attention to this, because it's the reason why many of us, we don't exist in community, because when the going gets tough and things get hard, we either feel, oh, I don't have time for that, I, I can't enter into that situation, I can't be in the trenches right now, I got to think about me where our lives are sadly about us, or on the other side, we've been hurt by someone who left us in that dark place, didn't enter in that space where we actually needed community, and you've now just given up on community. Friends, hear me, none of that is true community. That's the facade of community. True community takes an intentional commitment. And with that, I got three points, and we're gonna, I'm going to be out of your way. Number one, I want to talk about all talk, no walk community. All talk, no walk community. And number two, community takes faithfulness. Community takes faithfulness. Number three, community takes long-suffering but produces fruit. Takes long-suffering but produces fruit. The interaction here in the passage with Jesus and his disciples, and specifically Peter, it shows us the long-suffering of community here. And look at the verses, uh, verses 27 to 31. Jesus says, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd... And the sheep will be scattered, but after I'm raised up, I'll go before you to Galilee. Now, I want you to remember those verses, and we'll come back to them later. But right after this, Peter, like Peter does, says in verse 29, even though they will all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he emphatically, this is Peter says, if I must die with you, I, I will not deny you. You, could ju you just got to imagine Peter right now. And they all said the same. And they went to this place called Gethsemane. This is what I would like to call all talk, but no walk community. My man Peter, like he commonly does as you read this scripture, always is the first one to speak without thinking. Y'all know anybody like that in your life? He just blurts it out. He interrupts Jesus and says, I won't fall away. And Jesus looks at him like, please, man, please. Before the rooster crows twice, you, you, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, I'm going to die with you. I'm going to die with you. And you keep reading down the passage in, in verses 66 through 72, and what does Peter do? Before the rooster crows twice, he denies Jesus three times. All talk, no walk. True community doesn't just talk a good game, but when the times get tough and the going gets rough, they're right there with you in the trenches with you. They, they don't just disappear. You see, many times in life, friendships can start off great because we, we know how to talk a good game. Girl, I love you. Bro, I'm with you to the end. Bro, you my, you my road dog. We know how to talk a good game. But when the going gets tough, we're not really in it for the long, tongue, long haul. We, 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 we're, not, we're not in it through the trials and the problems. We didn't sign up for that. Nope. I just talk a good game. I mean, it, it's like being in a relationship or being married and 
and everything's going great. The marriage relationship is amazing, and you love your spouse, and you're like, man, we're still in the honeymoon stages, and I'm loving every moment about this, and then Thanksgiving rolls around. And you're like, well, whose house we going to? My family does it this way. Your family does it this way. Y'all eat green bean casserole. We eat greens. I mean, we like turkey. We like ribs. Where are we going? And now you just start arguing over mess. Nothing. And I, and I tell every couple that comes in to sit down and counsel with me as we get through it, they may be having some great, uh, a great time together, all of that. But I, I, I'm going to say, look, look, we all got doodle in our lives. And it all stinks. The question you got to answer is, what you going to do with all that doodle when the toilet ain't flushing? If I was in a chocolate church, I'm trying to tell you, they would have fell out all up in here. I heard you, Julian. Some of y'all won't get that until you get home. See, what I'm saying is that relationships can't just be all talk because they will get hard. And we have to know how to walk the walk, not just talk. My man Peter here did not walk it out. He just knows how to talk right now. Family, do you know anybody like that? Better yet, is that you? This is further explained in the text in verse 32 as the text moves on. Jesus now in the garden of Gethsemane and he's about to pray. He takes Peter, John and James. He takes his closest disciples with him and he says these words. Look at them with me. He says, my soul is very sorrowful. Look at this. Listen to this. My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Friends, Jesus knows he's about to die. And at this point. Jesus isn't even talking about all, the, all that he's about to take on, a, on the road to the cross. He's not talking about the cat nails and the crown of thorns and being hung on the cross. No, when he's, 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 he's about to pray right now and he's, he's asking God, he's saying, take, take this cup from me. He's saying, I've never tasted sin before. I, I've never been apart from you, daddy. I, I, I've never done wrong. I, 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 I I don't know what it's like to experience this type of heartache. I don't think I can take all of the sins of the world upon myself and the wrath that comes with it. He says, please take this cup from me. And see, in this moment, we get to see the humanity of Jesus that yet while being divine, he's modeling this earnest prayer saying, God, I don't want to go through with this. This is going to be hard. I don't know if I can handle it. This is where Jesus is at. I'm trying to paint the picture. It's probably the lowest point of his life. And he takes his boys, his three closest, and he says, I'm hurting even until death. Sit here with me and watch. And after Jesus says all of this, I'm I'm hurting into death, I'm sorrowful, these jokers fall asleep. This is in direct contrast to what Peter just said. I'm going to die for you, Jesus. 
But yet here in the text, my man is, he got the drool sleep going. Then Jesus says, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. He's not being spiritual here. He's talking about the human spirit where we may desire to follow Jesus, but our flesh is drawing us to another place, which in turn, we simply are not able to fulfill the will that God has for our life because instead of trusting, trusting Jesus with his will, you know what we do? We trust our flesh and we turn to what we want to do or where we want to go, our own personal desires. So instead now of doing what Jesus may have had for us to do, we, what, what we do what we want, what we feel is right. We don't know, family, how to, how to just sit still and be faithful and trust Jesus. It's hard for us. See, Peter and the disciples here falling asleep in the garden gives us a picture of our culture. I know I'm in your neighborhood. You see, when things get hard, instead of us staying faithful and maybe persevering through it, through this trial or through the up and the down, we just take the easy way out. Hence, we fall asleep. We do what we're used to doing. We revert back to where we wanted to go, what we once believed, which, watch this, has created a culture of flippancy, where we now have no staying power. And when things get hard, we just do what we feel is right. We say things like, I I, I just, I don't know about this anymore. I'm not sure if I want to do this anymore. And I'm going to jump ship. I'm going to move over here. You know, I I don't know if I want to be there. Ah, this relationship, uh, it's not going the way I like it. Uh, It started off great, but you know, I'm not feeling this anymore. There's more fish in the sea. You know, I'm not feeling this job anymore. I'm not feeling this church. I, just, I guess I got to find another one. Flippancy. Friends, everything, I need you to hear this. Everything in our life is not always going to be peaches and cream. It's not always going to be hunky-dory or easy. Some of us, listen, will work jobs that we don't like for years, and that's Okay. Because there may be something at that job that's greater than you just working the job. God might have something else for you to do there. There may be somebody you need to meet or talk to. But if you just jump ship, it won't never happen. Be faithful at the job you have. And sometimes there will be days and months of marriage where it's going to get hard. But we just can't pack up and move on and to the left, to the left, to the left. Because the marriage relationship resembles the relationship between God and his love for the church. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm thankful that God, when I was in my wayward ways and I did what I wanted to do, even walking with him, I'm glad he didn't turn his back on me and say, I'm done with you, Derek. Because if it had not been for his faithful commitment to me, then I wouldn't be standing before you. Friends, what I'm trying to say is that there's a, there's a huge difference in Between having the spirit of faithfulness and actually being faithful. 
True community doesn't just take a spirit of faithfulness. It takes true faithfulness, true authentic faithfulness, where when times get hard, you don't fall asleep, but you stay awake. When your girlfriend is, is crying all night long because her boyfriend just broke her heart and they thought she thought that they were going to get married and, and it's midnight, one o'clock in the morning, you got to work and you like in your mind, you're like, girl, if you don't shut up, I got to go to sleep. I'm tired of you right now. But you don't say that out loud because true commitment to that person stays up with them and listens to them and feels where they're coming from, cries for them, enters into the space that they're in because you're not just committed to yourself, but you're committed to them. That's faithfulness. Wives or husbands, let, let me meet you someplace else. Maybe, maybe your husband or your wife had a hard day at work and they, they walk in the house and you got all these things you want to talk about. All these things that you got planned out, and, and we're going to do this, we're going to do this, I'm going to throw the kids on them when they walk in the door, but you, know, you see that they came in, they had a hard day, looked like a boulder just got dropped on them, and in that moment, put your stuff to the side. Baby, how you doing? Anything I can do for you? You start to ask them how they feel, and you enter into that space putting yourself to the side. When your kids hear me, they won't stop talking at night. I got five of them. And last night, I'm like, I got to study. I got to study. I got to do this. I got to do this. Let's play a game. Dad. Let's do this. When they won't stop talking, they want your attention. In that moment, persevere. Sit with them. They will remember those moments for the rest of their lives. On the other side, they'll also remember when you picked up your phone and didn't spend time with them. Family, listen to me. True community doesn't just take the spirit of willingness, but true community takes devotion and faithfulness where you put yourself to the side in order to benefit somebody else. These brothers here in the text, three closest disciples, fall asleep on Jesus in his darkest hour. My man Peter, even after this, if you keep reading on, he, he, he chops a dude's ear off when they come to get Jesus. And, and don't get it twisted. He's still missing it. It's Peter. He chops the ear off. And, 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 and if he listened to Jesus, he would know that this was about to happen, that he's about to be betrayed. But he ain't listening to Jesus. This is Peter's moment. I'm about to live up for, to what I said. I'm going to die for Jesus. And he chops his ear off. And after that, Jesus is taken away in chains. And Peter's ducking and dodging in the shadows and denies him three times. Renewal. This is Jesus's community. And sadly, it may describe some of ours too. It may describe how we act in community. Let me ask you, are you in community right now? Is your community all talk, no walk? Have they ever let you down? Are you isolated right now for the fear or because of the fear of being hurt? If I'm vulnerable or I may be misunderstood, Isolation. 
as we get ready to end and around third to head home, I, I, I know there's a question that's lingering in some of your minds. Well, Pastor D, what do I do with all of this? If, I, if this is my community, what do I do with all of this? Talk, no walk, no long suffering in sight, no community or vulnerability. What do I do when my community lets me down? Look back with me to verses 27 and 28 of the text. Remember, I told you to remember that. Jesus says, you will all fall away from me, but I will go before you to Galilee. What Jesus is saying here in this passage right now is that I know you will fail me. I know you will be horrible friends. I know you will let me down. You will not be a great community, but I believe in you. And because of that, he says, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer through everything. I'm going to be betrayed by Judas, one of my own. All of you will fall away. The three of my closest disciples will come with me and they will all fall asleep when I'm in my darkest hour. I will be denied by Peter three times, but I'm going to suffer for thee. I'm going to die for you because I believe in you and, and, and hear me, I love you and I'm going to come back one day. And guess what? Jesus goes, he dies on the cross, he's buried, and then he rises from the grave. He resurrects and he does come back. Then he commissions these disciples in the book of Acts. And I love it. These disciples now go out and they change the world. Peter preaches now at the right time, preaches a sermon. And after the sermon, 3,000 people get saved. The disciples go out and they plant churches all over the place. And it is, don't miss this, because of Jesus' long-suffering relationship through the ups and the downs with his disciples that we're here now today talking about Jesus. So the question becomes, what does this mean for us? It means that, listen, community is not supposed to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be grueling at times. People are going to let you down. You're going to do the same thing to them. But that doesn't mean just give up and throw all your relationships to the side and throw the community to the side and become isolated. Engage each other. Be intentional about it. Have authentic, hard community and family. When you do that, you will see a change in you and you will see a change in the other person which will trickle into the city and other places around you because reconciliation is happen and happening and community is happening. You get to see the beauty of God in the messiness of community. I've told this story before, but if it had not been for someone named AJ, a a white man from a whole other side of the track, coming from a wealthy family, and this isn't him being a white savior or any of that, I know we're in that midst of that stuff right now, no, he was just intentional. Young black boy, down and out at the time, 11, 12 years old, 
single mom, three younger sisters, wandering through life aimlessly, mad at the world because of my situation, if it had not been for him noticing me, taking me under his wing, feeding me at different points, making sure I was playing sports, then I firmly believe, hear me, I wouldn't be a pastor today. I'd just be another statistic. He showed me love when there wasn't another man around in my life to show me love. He introduced me to AU basketball and, and travel baseball, which I didn't even know exist. And he helped me get into one of the best high schools in Indiana, let alone the nation. And I'm pretty sure there were times where AJ was like, I'm done with Derek. I can't do this anymore. He's flaked out on me again. He doesn't know all the things that I'm doing and I'm sacrificing on his behalf. I, I really had no idea. At the time, he had multiple sclerosis. I didn't know what that meant. He was literally waking up day after day in constant pain, but he never gave up on me. And here I stand today. Friends, true community takes long suffering and it's not always easy. Remember that the next time your friend, your parent, or your spouse, or even your church lets you down. Nobody is perfect. Relationships are not and cannot survive if they're always consumeristic because we will always fail one another. I'm flawed, you're flawed. So don't just give up on community. Instead, be persistent. Persevere and love one another through it so that you can be better and they can be better for it. Y'all, Jesus in this text doesn't give up on his disciples and here we are. So let me ask you, who are you persevering with today? Who are you walking alongside of through the good and the bad? Friends, we need community, but it takes long suffering. And to that end, I, as we come out of or even in this pandemic, our church is continually growing. I'm going to need each and every last one of you to lock arms with me and grow with me as God does something beautiful in our midst. And I can promise you, it won't always be easy. There's going to be things that you don't like. There's going to be things that I don't like. But let's grow together and let's continue to move forward. See something beautiful happening. Let me end with this quote. A friend of mine out in D.C. pastors, his name is Thabiti, and he says this. Look at this. He says, deep community of fellowship cannot be produced by one person. The pastor can preach community, and they should, but they cannot produce community. The community produces community or not. It takes all of us to love all of us.
It takes all of us to love all of us. Friends, let's suffer long with one another and let's love one another because we need each other. For some of you, that may mean coming back to church, being consistent, not just being online or once a month in person, but being consistent. So for somebody else, that may mean you need to be in a group consistently, every week, small group, building and building up true community with one another. For some of you, that may mean, hear me, leaving some of the bad communities or the unhealthy spaces that you've been in right now and jumping back into the healthy community. You need to leave that stuff. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe you're in some places that you don't need to be and you need to step back into the right community. Hear me, hear me, hear me with this. Community doesn't just happen. And we can't depend on everybody else to facilitate community for us. We have to be intentional and true with where we are. Friends, with that, let's be committed to community. And let's see God do something amazing in our city that trickles now to the Midwest and ultimately to the world. Y'all with me? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You are true and awesome, God. God, I do ask right now that you would touch every heart and they'd be honest about where they are. And that, God, you'd meet us where we are. There's some of us in here that have never known the love of Jesus and known that you would care for us the way you did and that you would go out of your way and love us when we didn't even love you as we see in the passage. So God, I ask that you would forgive us for that. And if there's someone under the sound of my voice that's saying, I, I need to give my life to Jesus, I'm done running it my own way and doing things my own way. I, God, I give you my all. I believe in you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. God, I pray based on that confession of faith, as your word says, that they are saved now. And if there's someone in here that's saying that and they've done it before and they're saying, I need to come back to Jesus, God, I pray that the, 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 the outpouring or what comes in light of that for all of us, God, is that we would love like you loved that we would see a community, a little piece of heaven here on earth going forward, affecting the world for your glory and for your good. God, have your way in this place. We love you, Lord, but it's only because you first loved us first. We thank you. And it's in your mighty name we all said together, amen and amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.